This is the Judge Janine Tunnel the Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. It is Sunday morning, of course, in New York City, and it's a wonderful day here. Actually, it's starting out as a truly beautiful day. And as always, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Now, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about what you might want to uh, listen to this morning, and there, two things just went through my mind. It could be because, you know, I'm a, uh, uh, you know, a prosecutor. Uh, it's in my DNA. So on today's show, we're going to talk about uh, two things. We're going to talk about uh, what is going on with the Daniel Penny case. We found out this week that progressive Soros-funded DA. Uh, Alvin Bragg in Manhattan uh, has returned an indictment against a former uh, Marine, the Marine veteran Daniel Penny with spotless record. Uh, They've returned an indictment for manslaughter in the second degree for his defending people on that moving, locked, underground subway car uh, for defending everyone on that car who was in fear for their lives uh, from an individual uh, who was taller than even he is and uh, who was out of control in the midst of a psychotic episode, threatening to uh, uh, spend the rest of his life in jail or being ready to die, which is a signal to anyone who's a cop or in the military or anyone with half a brain that he's ready to uh, you know, commit homicide or kill himself. Uh, and so Danny Penny steps up as a good Samaritan, uh, and uh, we all thought that uh, given what had happened and the fact that the people on that subway car have thanked him and said that uh, they might not have gotten out of there but for Danny Penny, uh, but we find out now that he's being treated as a criminal, that he is now going to have to defend himself uh, on a homicide charge. It's a sad state of affairs as it relates to uh, where we are in this country with the defunding of police, uh, with the fact that there are fewer cops on the street, uh, transit cops, forget it. Uh, and uh, then we just found out a couple days ago another guy, uh, I think it was on Friday, we find out another guy uh, killed an individual on a subway car uh, with a knife defending his girlfriend. I mean, the subways are a very dangerous place right now. And the left, of course, uh, in their, in their uh, effort to... Uh, support their social justice, which they can't even define, and cashless bail, which allows criminals to run free. They want to make sure that if you're a good Samaritan, if you defend yourself, if you defend others, uh, then you are. Uh, we're going to take you to task on it. So it's a very sensitive time right now in America, especially in New York. So we're going to hear from Danny Penny's attorney, one of his attorneys, Stephen Razor. The other is Tom Kniff. Uh, very competent attorneys, uh, former prosecutors themselves, uh, who have handled themselves extremely well uh, and are obviously in for the fight on this one for Danny Penny. Now, we're also, uh, folks, going to talk about uh, the Trump indictment, uh, the fact that uh, right now uh, there is a serious indictment which alleges espionage against the president, uh, former President Donald Trump, You're going to hear from Professor Alan Dershowitz. He's going to talk about the fact that, uh, uh, you know, this espionage uh, shouldn't even be included in the indictment. 
it's a word that basically is used to trigger, you know, a certain amount of hate, uh, which has no basis in fact, not even in terms of the allegations uh, uh, in the uh, in the indictment against Donald Trump. We're also going to talk about an issue that I think is extremely important, and that is the issue of the feds taking attorneys representing uh, high-profile clients and and defendants in federal cases and accusing them of being part of a criminal act when they have conversations with their clients, which at that point then robs uh, and and puts into doubt the whole Sixth Amendment, uh, which uh, protects the attorney-client privilege. It's happening more and more. You may not hear about it. It's certainly the buzz in legal uh, circles these days. It's almost as though uh, a, a clients are uh, not able to get attorneys because the feds are looking to charge the attorneys, get the attorneys to flip against their own clients. It's a very, very unusual scenario, but we're seeing it more and more often. And uh, we're also, uh, I'm also going to talk a little bit uh, at the end of the show about what's been going on in terms of uh, this country and crime uh, and the fact that we are uh, at a very bad turning point uh, where people don't even know how to defend themselves, if they can defend themselves, whether they can defend themselves. And this is all due, everybody, to the left. They wanted social justice. They can't define it. They wanted cashless bail, and you're going to have to live with it. Nobody else, because they're going to make sure that they're protected. So all of it's coming up uh, on the uh, on the Red Apple Network, and uh, I want you to make sure that uh, you stay with us so that uh, you get to hear these attorneys, both of them very confident uh, and very knowledgeable of what they speak. So up next here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will be speaking with attorney Stephen Razor, the attorney for Danny Penny, who just this week was indicted by a grand jury uh, in the death of Jordan Neely on that subway car. The issue, of course, is whether or not that grand jury heard just the evidence the prosecution wanted them to hear, or did they allow any of the defense witnesses to testify before the grand jury. All right. And uh, never forget, everyone, that's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. This is the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Sunday Morning Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Were you able to have Penny testify before the grand jury? Did you have witnesses in the grand jury? What did this grand jury decide this uh, indictment based on? Well, unfortunately, you know, how the grand jury works, as you well know, is that it is basically the district attorney's sandbox. Uh, they get to do what they want there. All we could do is make requests. We made several requests, but uh, there's no way to know whether or not those requests were honored or not. We will find out later, and there'll be an opportunity for us to challenge the indictment if they didn't uh, fulfill most of our requests. All right, so I'm going um, to yeah. interrupt you mm-hmm. right there, Stephen Razor. So in New York, just for the listeners, in New York, a defense attorney uh, and, of course, uh, uh, Daniel Penny was charged with manslaughter by felony complaint before the case was presented to the grand jury. In New York, uh, the defendant's attorney, you, Steve, have the opportunity to say to this 
DA, we'd like you to speak to X, Y, and Z. You are not in the grand jury. The grand jury, as you are very clear on, uh, is presented solely by the prosecution. There is no defense in there. There's no judge in there. Um, and But you have no way of knowing whether people that you re- recommended and suggested to the DA were even in that grand jury, which means we're not sure if the presentation to that grand jury by the prosecutors was one-sided. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. Well, yeah, clearly it, it's one-sided for the most part. Like I said, we can interject, but whether or not those honor, the requests are honored is, is uh, unknown. And, and quite frankly, most of the time, a lot of our requests are not granted, and sometimes there are other intervening factors. The, the uh, district attorney's office did have limited information, which you know is a problem, and that is specifically in, in regards to the medical examiner's report. The information they had was incomplete, and yet still presented that? to the grand. Why? Well, because they only because they came out with their basically their initial reaction to the data that they reviewed in regards to um, the cause of death. They had indicated that it was uh, compression to the neck, and they ruled it a homicide. Of course, a homicide, as ruled by the medical examiners, is not the legal definition that will have to be proven in court. It's a totally different thing. They just use the same word, basically. But the, the problem I had with the medical examiner's report is they were so quick to come to a judgment on the mm-hmm. case. I mean, they literally issued a statement two days after, after mm-hmm. his death, was, which was just reckless, in my opinion, and unnecessary. They should have held their opinion until they had all the facts. All right. Um, other things. Yeah. Let, let me just uh, let me just add something there. I want to remind my sure. listeners that this is the, the decision as to whether something is a homicide, a suicide, an accident or natural. It's an editorial decision. You know, you it is someone's subjective opinion. Now, just so you know, Steve, I have taken a case that was deemed a suicide and gotten a murder conviction. You know, the fact that someone (laughs) else thinks it's a suicide doesn't mean that we can't prove it once we have all the facts, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And and a homicide just means that there is somebody else involved in in this individual's death. I mean, nobody can deny that Danny was involved in, in essence, a wrestling match with this guy before he died. And they did indicate that there was some injury to the neck, which was consistent with the hold that uh, Danny had on Mr. Neely at different points of the restraints. Mm-hmm. So they made that ruling. And yes, that it is an opinion. And I can't tell you the cases that I've had that the medical examiner uh, has just come off with just gratuitous remarks and right. sometimes just absolutely incorrect when you view the evidence in its totality. Like we don't even have the toxicology reports. Exactly. In this case. We don't have we don't have contributing factors. All right. So let's stop, let me stop you there, Stephen. I don't mean to interrupt, but I, sure. this is Absolutely. this case is infuriating me. And I want my listeners to really have the facts at their fingertips. The fact that you did not have a toxicology on a guy who was a drug addicted, homeless criminal with a warrant outstanding. What could the toxicology have told you 
that obviously the medical examiner did not have when a decision was made to call it a homicide. Well, I mean, when somebody is high on drugs, and I'm not saying that he was, I'm saying he appeared to be, because Danny and other witnesses have indicated so, and that's something you could trust a layperson to render an opinion on. And if he is high on drugs, that's going to compromise your system, where somebody who is high on drugs under the effects, uh, you know, the heightened manic effects of certain drugs, uh, could actually increase the heart rate, can increase the blood pressure, can cause someone to die under circumstances that a, a normal person not under the influence would have never, never died. So that's very right. important because it's not reasonably foreseeable. I mean, Danny's not a doctor. He doesn't understand uh, what the, the effects that drugs can have on the system. But it's extremely important. It's not something that can be ignored. And there was no reason to rush this into a grand jury, especially in light of the fact that uh, D.A. Bragg had filed a felony complaint and put a, a basically started the speedy trial clock. He didn't have to do that. He could right. have simply waited for all the facts and then presented the case the way he said he was going to from the beginning. Right. And, you know, I just want to remind people that this is the same medical examiner's office that said within, I think, a day and a half that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. OK, they didn't have right. the toxicology. They didn't have anything that was like, ah, it's a suicide. That's the end of it. In a, in a forensic analysis, you know, where the guy was taller than, you know, the sheet that he apparently hung himself from. It, it was lunacy. But let, let's talk about the fact that uh, we've got you've got a situation now where today in the press, there is another situation on a subway uh, that involved a death where someone had attacked an individual's girlfriend and uh, another person ends up dead. We are seeing so much crime on this subway and a lack of police and transit cops that the subway, I mean, it's every man for himself there. Yeah, I mean, it's a dangerous place. And unfortunately, just by its very nature, it, it tends to seclude people from the outside world. And so it, it is a breeding ground for a crime. And, you know, that's that's part of the problem with this case is people have to be able to defend each other. And sometimes people can't defend themselves from other people. It may be a child in the face of a man. I mean, Jordan Neely was no small guy. He was approximately 6'3". Really? Um, Yelling and screaming. Yes, he was a big guy. Danny is 6'2". And and Jordan Neely was taller than Danny, uh, at least by Danny's estimation. And He's, he's not a small guy. He's a strong guy. And a kid cannot defend himself or herself from somebody like that. So and, if we send that message that we can't step up and intervene and use force when, when it's necessary, and, and we're going to dissuade people from doing that, well, guess what? The subway system just became even more dangerous because no matter what, you are not going to have a police officer on every train. It's not going to happen. Well, th- so if no- we can't rely on each other, we're not, we're not going to be safe. And if you're a good Samaritan, as Daniel Penny was, a former Marine, they're basically saying, uh, you know, if you're a good Samaritan, you know, it doesn't matter to us. We weren't on that train. We don't know the danger zone. We don't know. Look, we're all human beings. We get a sense when we're in danger and when we're not. And, you know, the, the, the people on that subway car were frightened. They called Danny Penny a hero. So let's talk about the law in New York, okay? Uh, you know, everybody and his mother thinks they know what the law in New York is. Let's talk about whether or not Danny Penny had the right to use force, whether or not he was justified under New York law. Explain that to my listeners. 
Well, I mean, the justification defense is called the justification defense. It's not called self-defense. It's called justification because it's justification to defend the life, your own life or the life of someone else. And there's been a lot of misconceptions out there and uh, people who I, I think are trying to confuse the general public that there had to have been an attack already. You keep hearing over and over again that people are saying, oh, well, he never attacked anybody. So why did why did Danny step in and use force? It doesn't make sense. Well, actually, it makes a lot of sense, because when there is an imminent attack and if you look at the jury instructions on the law for justification, it talks about imminency, which means that it hasn't happened yet, but it's about to happen. Which makes perfect sense, because if you want to jump in and save somebody, you do it before they're hurt, not after. After it's too late, right? So the justification of defense will support Danny fully in this, because it's not just his testimony. There there are pastors on that train that don't know Danny from anybody. And their objective opinion is that, yes, we were fearful for our lives. And we thought that if Danny didn't act when he did, we would have been the tragedy of that train. Well, and the amazing thing is you've got a mayor who in the beginning was, you know, very kind of, well, this uh, let's see how this plays out. Now he's supporting uh, the D.A., you know, and the amazing part of the D.A., Alvin Bragg, is, you know, he's a Soros funded prosecutor from one of the PACs anyway. And, you know, he's the guy who the first time he comes into office, he basically says, you know, if you have a gun, don't worry about it as long as you don't use it in a robbery. Uh, And, you know, now he's focused on Donald Trump. And he's focused on Danny Penny. Uh, it kind of makes you worry about the state of criminal justice uh, in the, in Manhattan, in New York State, and in America. But with the defunding of the police, the unavailability of transit cops, and the fact that people are petrified uh, in New York, you've got a you've got a heavy case on your hands. How do you convince a jury? Uh, and let's just say there are a jury in Manhattan, which it has to be unless there's a change of venue, and I, I doubt you'd mm-hmm. want to do that. How do you convince a jury of what it's like on a subway? You know, you could get somebody from the Upper West Side. What do they know about this subway? Yeah, well, that's a good point. And um, thankfully, you know, New York has a good system for selecting a jury. You know, if you go to the federal courts, you don't find that same kind of level of uh, thoroughness that we are given as defense attorneys to actually select the jurors. So it's not the first 12 are seated. It's that we get to ask questions. The district attorney gets to ask questions. And one of those questions that we're going to ask is, have you ever uh, traveled on the subway? And if so, how often? All right. Steve Razor, attorney for uh, the former Marine, uh, Marine veteran Danny Penny. Thanks so much for joining us on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Well, much, much you, luck and uh, to you. And uh, we are with you on that one. All right. And never forget, that's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. And uh, up next on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, we are going to have uh, Alan Dershowitz to talk about that indictment in Florida against Donald Trump and how serious it may be. Stay with us. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. 
Welcome back to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is an attorney, an author, a former professor, a man uh, who needs no introduction. He is uh, unquestionably brilliant. I mean, anyone who is a professor at uh, Harvard Law School and uh, former Felix Frankfurter professor uh, is obviously a, a man who knows uh, the law. So I want to get right to the man who's written several books, Get Trump, Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, uh, which, of course, is still available everywhere books are sold. All right, Professor Dershowitz, now st- stay with me just for a second before I ask the question. Uh, I want you to think back to when we first heard about a 1023. 1023, of course, is a uh, is a form, a federal form, uh, that the FBI uses of information that they get. And we're aware of one, this uh, document 1023, that has in it allegations against uh, President Biden claiming that he took a bribe. Uh, and uh, there was a slow walk to produce it to Congress. The attorney, the uh, head of the FBI, Christopher Wray, refused to hand it over until the House said, look, uh, the uh, Christopher Ray, we're going to hold you in contempt of Congress. Christopher Ray finally hands it over. And what do we find out? We find out not only is there a claim from a very credible FBI informant, uh, $200,000 worth of credible that the FBI was paying him for information. We hear he's a very high executive in a, in a, in a company. But we then find out that there are tapes that suggests that a uh, Ukrainian official has tapes of his speaking to the Bidens to confirm that they're going to get uh, $5 million in exchange for a policy by the United States. On the same day that that's released, they, uh, they unseal an indictment against Donald Trump. Am I a conspiracy theorist if I say that timing was based on the release of the Biden information, damaging, damning information? Well, it all depends on whether or not Jack Smith was taking orders from the administration or whether he was completely independent. And I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know the answer to how credible this information is. I can tell you one thing. If it is credible, clearly it's an impeachable offense. I mean, bribery is one of the charges in the Constitution, it doesn't matter if you've given or received a bribe. So all this evidence alone constitutes probable cause. It doesn't go more than that because we have to determine, mm-hmm. A, whether these things actually exist. I haven't seen them. You haven't seen them. Members of Congress have. We have to determine the credibility of the person. We have to listen to the tapes. We have a long way to go before we get to uh, a conclusion about it. But we have enough. There's enough smoke here to warrant further investigation. As far as the indictment is concerned, you know, they've been working on it a long time, the Trump indictment, and there is one, if not smoking gun, at least gun with Trump's fingerprints on it that he has to explain, and that is the um, uh, taped uh, interview that was conducted by a a reporter uh, regarding uh, Meadows, in which he, according to the reports, waves a paper and there's a rustle on the tape and says, I could have declassified this, but I didn't, suggesting that not everything he believes was declassified. So, look, there's enough in both cases to warrant moving forward. And the question is, where does the evidence take us? And we have to follow the evidence, not predispositions about the evidence and not what we want. I mean, the reason that 
CNN and the New York Times have been so wrong in predicting the outcomes of these cases is because they predict based on wishful thinking. Uh, I've been very accurate in my predictions because I don't have any dog in this fight. I'm a Mm -hmm. constitutional scholar who cares more about the Constitution than about partisan politics. I happen to be a liberal Democrat who votes against Donald Trump, but I care deeply about Donald Trump's constitutional rights. Right. As I care about everybody's constitutional rights. Well, I'm going to stop you right there, Alan. Alan, I want to stop you right there. I just want people to know, Professor Alan Dershowitz, who, uh, you know, uh, at one time, and were you with the ACLU, Alan? Yeah, I was on the uh, national board of the ACLU. Right, right. Okay, you have fought yeah. for people whose beliefs are absolutely contrary to yours. If of anyone course. has a history, and I have to give you kudos for this, a history of saying, let this person talk, let this person go forward, when you are absolutely diametrically opposed because you believe in the law you believe in truth and justice and i have to tip my hat to you for that i appreciate that i defended the rights of palestinian radical students to fly the flag of yasser arafat who i hated i know uh, when he died and i went there and i distributed leaflets saying you know yasser arafat was a, a, a terrorist so both sides of the issue were presented i defended the right of people to uh, March in, in Skokie, I defended neo-Nazis even more recently, communists mm-hmm. during the 1950s. I hated communism with a passion. And, uh, you know, I think too few people today they uh, don't defend do that. the way John Adams defended. He hated the British soldiers who killed the uh, Crispus Attucks and other young people, patriots, uh, uh, during the Boston Massacre. But he said everybody's entitled to a defense. Exactly. And yet, you know, in Chilmark, Massachusetts, I was banned from the library. I was my yep. books were banned. I was banned by the community center. And, and and of course the library, the librarian, denies it had anything to do with defending <laughs> Donald Trump. I must have developed bad breath or something. Because yeah. suddenly everybody in Chilmark wanted to well, stay away you, from me. But you but I paid had a price this Tuesday. Finally they allowed me to speak. They've limited it to twenty five people. They won't wow. allow me to bring any guests other oh my than my wife. God. Uh, and uh, that is so frightening me to speak for fear of a lawsuit. Alan, I one day we have to talk about all that. But let, let me go back to sure. um, let's talk about Joe Biden for one second. And then I want to get into the nitty gritty of the indictment. Does it matter if Joe Biden and by the way, they only have one bank and they've got 10 million dollars coming into the Biden family who don't have any business that we know of. Does it matter if he took a bribe when he was vice president? Can he still be impeached? as a president i think so so. um it doesn't say it in the constitution it says treason bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanors and there are justices in the supreme court back in the 19th century who said no it has to be an actual criminal act this is probably beyond the statute of limitations but the (laughs) better view and the view i present in front of the senate is it could be a crime beyond the statute of limitations. And I made that argument before anything had come up about about uh, Biden. So mm-hmm. I didn't make it in relation to Biden. I said, if, for example, a president committed a crime that wasn't punishable because it occurred outside the country or beyond the statute of limitations, mm-hmm. that would be impeachable because the Constitution requires criminal type behavior akin to bribery and treason i see so although it's not a clear answer to the question i think the better answer is that a person who's now president could be impeached for something he did while he was 
vice president. All right. Now, let's get into the nitty gritty. So one of the things that they're focused on with this Trump indictment by Jack Smith, who I just want to make my my position clear on this guy. You know, the Supreme Court ruled against him eight to zero. I mean, you rarely get the Supreme Court unanimous on anything. Uh, the, the John Edwards jury uh, absolutely rejected his theory. The McDonald's right. case is a governor that went up to the Supreme Court. He's got a whole litany, Don Young in Alaska, of political prosecutions where he's lost. Is this guy a political ideologue? I mean, do they bring him in when they've got a a, 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 a politician? I don't know. He registers as an independent, not as a Republican or a Democrat. People who know him think he's a man of real integrity. I'm prepared to presume that. Mm -hmm. I think he played dirty pool in this case when he went to grand jury in the District of Columbia. He didn't have to do that. He could have done it in Florida. He knew he was going to bring the case in Florida. Mm -hmm. But he purposely convened a grand jury in the District of Columbia in order to get the benefit of, of advantageous judges in the District of Columbia yep. on the most important ruling in the case, namely whether or not Trump violated his lawyer-client privilege by asking, wouldn't it be better, if he did ask that, we don't have a tape of that, wouldn't mm-hmm. it be better if uh, this evidence didn't exist? So he, he jury shopped, judge shopped, appellate court shopped in the District of Columbia, grand jury shopped, um, uh, to get his favorable rulings. And then once he got his favorable rulings, he moved down to uh, Florida. To the site of the crime. The al- that to yeah, me the is site of the alleged cool. crime. I don't like that. It's not illegal, but it raises real questions about integrity. Yeah. And what... It- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's assume that this piece of uh, th- this claim that he waived a classified document in front of a, uh, yeah. a a reporter. I mean, we don't know that that was seen. And I, I'm not going to get into what about because we'll spend yeah. 20 minutes. Hillary Clinton destroyed 33,000 emails. And the bottom line is that's obstruction of justice. That that is a destruction of evidence, obstruction of justice. Uh, and, you know, Joe Biden had classified documents when he didn't have a right to have them at all as a senator. Uh, and I wonder how many of those relate to energy and Ukraine and Russia. That, But, but I'm going to let that go. Let's assume if he has a document that, you know, nobody really saw, but that he waves in front of yeah. someone. I mean, is, is national jeopardy in danger, this espionage charge? Not. What is that of, about? Of course not. I have a column that I wrote today saying that the first motion that the defense ought to make, that Trump's lawyers ought to make, is to ban the word espionage from any use in the courtroom at all. This is not a case about espionage. This is a case about uh, allegedly unauthorized possession of classified material. There's no claim that he endangered national security, that hurt national security, that he gave this to Putin or anybody else or to Iran. This is not an espionage case, and they shouldn't be able to use that word in front of the jury. The analogy I made in my column is this. 
let's assume Congress passed the statute, and they always name their statutes weirdly, the effective death penalty statute that had nothing very little to do with the death penalty. Let's assume they had a statute, and they called it the Child Molestation and Inside Trading Prohibition Statute, and they indict somebody for insider trading. And they start the argument saying, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this man has been charged under the child molestation and insider trading case. Of course that would be improper and illegal. Mm -hmm. Same thing is true here. The word espionage should not be used in the courtroom. I don't think it should be used outside of the courtroom by the media. Look at the indictment. It doesn't mention espionage. There's no espionage alleged. It's about but you know case. what this is, Professor Dershowitz, and hang on to your thought. This is a continuation of this man is a Putin puppet. He is a Russian asset. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. I remember the Russia collusion. But but it, and then they play into their fake narrative, which the Durham report said Hillary Clinton made up because she wanted to get the email scandal off her back. She told Joe Biden and she told Barack Obama and they watched us fight with each other. This yeah. country split. For four yeah. years, because Hillary Clinton decided that Donald Trump shouldn't be president. It's outrageous. Yeah. I agree with you. And by the way, there's another word for whataboutism. It's called equal protection of the law. And so I wrote a piece for The Wall Street Journal a few months ago in defense of whataboutism. I like whataboutism. I think it's very important to ask the question. What about Clinton? What about uh, Biden? What about uh, Pence, what about Sandy Berger? That's what equal protection is about. If you had a case where only African-American people were tried in the South and they said, well, what about the white people who committed the same crimes? That would be an equal protection claim. So is this. So I'm going to continue to talk about what about is yeah, well, I, I'm with you on that one because, you know, we call it selective prosecution, too. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about, um, you know, if you move to uh, eliminate espionage, the bottom line is they have the first, what is it, 37 counts that are all the same? Yeah. Yeah, it's stacking. It's okay. 30, 32, well, a large number 32 and of then they, stacked counts right. in which they simply allege that this document, that document, the other document, and then you have obstruction of justice and misleading uh, law enforcement official. Um, but it boils down to two charges. One, uh, possession of classified material, and they have to prove in each case that the document was not declassified and was still classified. Mm -hmm. And then obstruction of justice based largely on what he discussed with his own lawyer. Now, I've been doing this 60 years, as you've been doing this yeah. for not nearly that many, but quite a few. Yeah, 40. Uh, when, when the client comes in to speak to you, they ask you a lot of questions. Uh, wouldn't it be better right. if this witness wasn't around? Wouldn't it be better if I went to Brazil? Wouldn't it be better if we destroyed this piece of evidence? And you answer, no, no, no. But you have any more questions? Yeah. Ask me and I'll answer. That's the nature of dialogue between clients and lawyers. And the idea right. that judges right. would hold that asking those kinds of questions uh, violates the privilege is something I would hope the Supreme Court uh, would consider because that endangers not only Donald Trump, but every client who comes to see a lawyer. I now have to give my clients Miranda warnings. I have to tell them. Don't oh, my ask God. OK. Questions. Yeah. OK. But here's what the feds have been doing. The feds have been going after the attorneys for their targets and saying, yeah. we're going to prosecute you 
for, for uh, you know, I don't know, colluding, conspiring, being complicit in, in, in criminal conduct, the lawyer backs off and says, oh, my God, oh, my God. The lawyer ends up testifying oh, no, against the client. What happened to attorney-client privilege? It's much worse than that, Janine. It's much worse than that. There's an talk, organization talk called Project 65, and it's a group of hard-left radical McCarthyite lawyers who have threatened to go after the bar licenses of any lawyer who has anything to do with representing Donald Trump or anybody associated with him. And I wrote an op-ed oh saying, I will defend anybody who's charged by Project 65. And what do you think they did? They filed the bar complaint against me. And oh uh, they are trying. They're not going to intimidate me. But I know they have succeeded in intimidating other lawyers because several of them have called me and told mm-hmm. me they would like to defend Donald Trump or they would like to defend Donald Trump's co-defendant. But they're mm-hmm. scared. They're afraid. Of course. They're afraid they'll lose their bar licenses. This is McCarthyism. I remember McCarthyism. I'm old enough. I was in college during McCarthyism. And what happened is any lawyer, civil liberties lawyer, who defended anybody accused of communism was targeted by the Bar Association, uh, kept off the Harvard Law Review at one point. Uh, you know, you talk mm-hmm. about Harvard professors. <laughs> Not every Harvard <laughs> professor is brilliant and well-intentioned. I can tell you that. Harvard has mm-hmm. a long history sure. of being complicit with McCarthyism during the 1950s. So, How sad. Uh, but this Project 65 is despicable, and bar associations ought to look into it because it is violating the Sixth Amendment. Yep, it is a violation of the Sixth Amendment. But the question is, when we now have a judiciary which seems so politicized and, and you know, they want uh, the Judge Cannon, who is a Trump appointed judge, off this Trump indictment oh, in Miami. I looked terrible. at the judges. Every judge there is either an Obama judge or a Trump judge. And I think they have one Bush judge. I mean, really? Okay, if it's a Trump judge, it's an outrage. But if it's an Obama judge, yeah, then we have justice. I got to tell you, Professor Alan Dershowitz, I have never seen our country like this. Have you? No, I I haven't seen it. And I lived through the McCarthy period. I represented people during the Vietnam period. Um, You know, I've seen it all, and I haven't seen anything quite like this. And they're going after Judge Cannon because she made absolutely Mm -hmm. the right ruling on the, the right issue call of when on they the conducted a search, it should have been sent to a special master. You don't trust exactly. the Justice Department taint team who are who have lunch every day and and and, and urinate next to with the, the judges. People, you know, uh, 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 in, in, who are also in the Justice Department, the trial team. You don't trust them to make the determination and to see the lawyer-client privilege material. So. I was completely in favor of her ruling, and it was reversed, to be sure. Mm-hmm. But she was right, and the Court of Appeals was wrong. But the uh, the radicals on the left are seizing on that reversal uh, without mentioning the many reversals that Jack Smith has gotten as well. All right. Well, let let me let me end this with with a question as to the Jack Smith has sworn in his uh, no question press conference that he is determined to make sure this defendant has a speedy trial. Defendant, of course, being the the, the former President Trump. Uh, I have never in my life. And I was a prosecutor for three decades, said, I'm going to guarantee a speedy trial. That's something the defense demands and the prosecution is usually dragging behind. What's that about? 
they want the trial before the election. Because, look, look at what commentators on MSNBC and political people are saying. Let's offer Trump a deal. If he promises not to run for president, we'll drop the charges. What could be better proof than that this is an attempt to interfere with the election, to try to stop me from exercising my constitutional right to vote against Trump for the third time? I have every right to vote against him for the third time, and you have every right to vote for him for the third time. And prosecutors and judges and jurors shouldn't be allowed to interfere with that fundamental constitutional right to vote. So I don't know when the trial will be, but it's suspicious that Jack Smith wants it to be so quick. (laughs) It certainly is, especially for with given all of the motion practice that's going to go forward. All right. um, uh, uh, Professor Dershowitz, um, in in terms of, of, um, you know, this case, impacting i i know you're not a political pollster and all that how do you think this indictment is going to impact the president in terms of his candidacy well it's going to help him win the nomination without a doubt he will be the republican nominee unless god forbid there are health issues or something of that kind uh on the general election it's impossible to tell i do think that if there were to be a conviction before the election it of course be no appeal Mm -hmm. at that point just the conviction It could negatively Mm -hmm. impact his general election among independents, but nobody knows for sure. But it will strengthen his his position in relation to uh, other other Republican candidates and getting the nomination. So I think he will be the nominee. All right. Professor Alan Dershowitz, we thank you for your insight, your expertise and your honesty. Uh, You have certainly had a storied career and. Right. Yep. Well, thank you. Just read my book, Get Trump, no. because it lays out all of the cases against him, all of the four cases, and nope. it goes through their strengths and weaknesses, and, uh, and and particularly the Florida case. All right. Uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz, and uh, indeed, uh, uh, to my listeners, you have just listened to a uh, legal giant. Thank you. All right. And never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. This is the Judge Janine Show.